a wife. Oh, I love my wife. <laughs> we bought I a wife. Love my wife. Ah! Let's go ride a bike. We bought my a wife. wife. Ah! My wife's really good. My wife's really small. Let's go to the beach and play with a beach ball. Ours. Praise Jesus God and my wife. We Let's go to the beach and a ride wife. a bike. I was gonna do the same thing, but then you beat me to it off the, <laughs> off the cuff. It's Hello, folks! Welcome to another incredible, wife-tastic episode of We <laughs> Bought a Mic. It's an early one. It's a, it's a it's a crack yeah. noon pod. Uh, yeah, it's like what like three thirty in the morning <laughs> right now. Yeah, I was I I have some news. I was going to take my Zyrtec in the car, and it dropped in my crevice. Of between the seats, so gonna be a nasally pod. Yeah, you, yeah. Can, you can fucking hear allergies. It, dude. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> did we get that? Well, <laughs> welcome to the show. We bought a mic. What bam? A pop culture podcast where every week we talk the latest and greatest in film, TV news, music, albums, albums, the big album, the big wife, the big wife. Yeah. <laughs> The, the best Should debut third album ever. <laughs> best debut fourth album. <laughs> um, I I gotta keep my my um, uh, slogan role going. Uh, and and uh, an entertainment talk show mm. with a healthy dose of fun banter and intellectual analysis. I'm Ernest. That is not the same ba- slogan that you had last yeah, week. Well, but you, you I, can't prove that. I'm I'm Hunter, <laughs> and I'm here too. I think I think we need to to solidify our brand as you know a balance of things as all things yeah. should be. We get we get the fun quips, but we get the insightful talk in there too. Yeah. Not a lot of people do that. You you either get one or the other. Yeah. We can be your angle or your devil. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chance the Wapper. The ah. Kit Kat rapper. We've been putting this off <laughs> collectively yeah, so i mean if we go back bloop, 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 to like 2018 um whenever we were talking about our favorite albums that were coming this year this was one of them that we were all anticipating and i think as closer and closer that we got to the date we were more just uh fearing what was going to happen yeah i was if we play the tapes back a few months ago i was already not excited like i had already the more you thought about what level of quality to truly expect the more you were like well what is it going to be better than coloring book no is it going to be better than ass rep of course not no mm-hmm. it's simply not he's a dad he's a husband his corny levels he's are a, off he's the a charts what? he's a hu- a husband yeah no way <laughs> i would have never guessed if you, that from yeah if, if you read the liner notes of it <laughs> it turns out that he's married to a woman and he has a child <laughs> He loves going to the beach and riding a bike. I mean, I knew about the child from Coloring Book for sure. Yeah, yeah. But it really took until listening to The Big Day to find out that this man, he's married. Yeah, and he claims to be very happy about it. Well, we're going to investigate that. He's we're going to see. It's it's like when you have a friend who's in an abusive relationship and they're like, everything is great. There's nothing to look into. This is just how John acts. Okay, like I married this person. How how the kid that calls everybody else gay in school is gay. You know, (laughs) he's like, what are you gay, bro? That wouldn't be okay, Would it? Would it be okay? Is that okay? Yeah. Is that can you please yeah tell me let me know anyway get back to me on that <laughs> so conceptually so, that so, yeah <laughs> aside from the fact that this album got a zero from uh the needle drop man melon man mm-hmm. anthony flantano uh and that it's been memed to death on twitter and and such overall it's not a disaster like, There's some good tracks, but yeah. it's like it's like what, like an hour it's twenty, an hour and seventeen minutes long. It is way too fucking long. Yeah, for it made me crave last summer when we had Kanye produced albums that were all like twenty five minutes yeah. long. I'm like, man, I could listen to Kids See Ghost three times before. Why I didn't Kanye this. produce this album? <laughs> and the thing is, if it were straight bangers we wouldn't be complaining either but it's simply not it's there's not. so many cuttable tracks in this oh, there's yeah. a lot of cuttable tracks and i pointed i think i said something to one of y'all that i 
don't know who actually mixed all these songs, but I do not like the production on this album at all. There's like it's mostly the the actual instrumentals sound fine, but for some reason the way that his voice sounds on certain tracks sounds unfinished. It's a little murky. It's a little bit like it's not quite polished, and you're like, yeah. at this point, Chance, you have an in with every producer, every person that you want to be a feature that you could possibly want. Why not just get them to come in there and do like a little bit of cleanup on this yeah, album? Yeah, I mean, one nice thing that I will say about Coloring Book, despite not loving it, is that it is produced. Like there are, there is a vibe. The tracks feel a lot more finished than there's they a do style in this album. to it too. Yeah, and leading up to this album, every single that he put out, most of which, maybe all of which, did not end up on the album. Is that right? None of them. Yeah, none of them are on the album. They all sounded so half baked to me. Like they just sounded like like throwaway tracks. And to put those up to build up hype for an album yeah. is not a good idea. Well, so to push against that just a little bit, I actually kind of liked the three of the four tracks that he oh. released last year. 65th. I love 65th and Ingleside. Um, I really like uh, I Need Some Security, I think is what it's called. Um, what's the other one? Uh, Workout. I like Workout. Workout. Solid. Wallacam is fine. Um, uh, I Might Need Security has... is fine. I, the yeah. Man Who Has, who has Everything. everything. I don't. I just don't really care for them. On they sound like uh, tracks that were cut from coloring. But book. the bad thing is, uh, and where I started to turn against this was in this year. Whenever he released the single "Groceries," which That's, thank God yeah. that did not end up on the album because hey, that man, still would have been the worst song on the album. Throwback to our Plaza days of "Groceries" and "One Trip." I, I yeah. It's relatable. Yeah, not a big um, fan of that. Very, I mean, that set the stage of corniness, especially like it's a very cheesy song. Yeah. It, oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Watching some fire TikToks over here. It sounded, <laughs> it sounded like, yeah. I think, I guess, throwaway is a pretty adequate description. It, it just sounded l- low effort. It's, it's, yeah. It sounds like it was made by a guy who. We've heard what he has accomplished when all of his time was spent in a studio and he had no press to do, no family to take care of. This is a guy now who has a lot of shit going on. Seems like he just kind of popped in for like three hours at a time to make this whole album. Yeah, he's getting super involved in politics and social issues in Chicago, which is amazing because he's like our age and he's being super impactful and influential. But as a musician, the... The edges is, is gone. Yeah. It's, it's like no longer there. I mean, I'm hopeful that eventually it'll return because this is a is this is a talented dude. I mean, he's proven himself. Yeah, I, but on this album, it's like everything that we had grown to love about him is just not there. Yeah. Not the lyrics, just, not the instrumentation, the production, none of it. Part of me does, and this sounds like a horrible thing to wish on a human being, but I kind of almost hope that Chance takes a bad turn in his life. Not that, like, anything personally, like, I hope that him and his wife and his daughter are doing great things, but I want there to be something bad to happen to get kind of that edge and that kind of fighting spirit that Chance had. Chance was like this very rebellious soul in the acid rap days of just like fuck everything like doing all this stuff like i'm just i've all these people that have died that i grew up with and all this kind of stuff that's what he's talking about in acid rap that's why acid rap is an amazing album i mean 10 day day is like he's he's suspended from school for smoking weed that's it but we've kind of lost that. And, I mean, it was started to take a turn in Coloring Book. I still really enjoy Coloring Book, especially, like, the production everything. Like, whenever I listen to a song like How Great, I'm not, like, a religious person. But that the way that that song sounds is so full. It's such a great landscape of music that is just absent on this album. This doesn't really... There's no cohesive tone to this album aside from loving your wife. Yeah, that's it's it. the yeah the, <laughs> the production track is doesn't all make over any the place. Sense. Yeah, it's not in a great order. You're you're definitely right about that. Uh, we we do need like we should mention just because as far as our demographic goes, I'm sure everybody uh, watches Fantano. Uh, it's I mean it's silly to give this a zero. It's a it's a meme. It's a joke. I don't know if he knows that it's a joke. Uh, 
I don't know if he he focused his entire review on the lyrics. Oh, okay, that's another thing that actually really bothered me yeah. about his review because if you, I mean, that is like one of the oldest tropes in comedy. It's one of the stalest things you can do is read a rapper's lyrics seriously because mm-hmm. if you read any song lyrics like slowly, they sound bad. Yeah, uh, and they're like Kendrick Lamar or something. Yeah, <laughs> somebody who's like writing poetry. So and you can and there are bad lyrics on this album, but to to pick out the worst examples and then read them in a way that there's no chance of them sounding good and use that as justification for giving like a five a, a zero is silly to me like that's a, a i don't know if he knows it's a joke but and that's not a joke. touching on any other points of merit like there's some solid songs on well, here that are fun and to also to. Oh, one thing that really killed me listening to this is that every now and again it's now it's not like song by song it's almost like couplet by couplet you can hear brilliance in lyricism like it's there it's just not consistent at all like even song by song it's it's just drastically uh all over the place i it's did curial i did want to give a shout out to a couple of songs that i really like uh specifically some of the features that are on this album i love uh um taylor bennett's verse on rue that is a great i think that that's that's a better verse than Chance has on the entire album. Oh, he outshines him on that song. Yeah. So like hard. and it's like, oh shit, am I gonna hop off the Chance bandwagon <laughs> and hop onto the, the Taylor Bennett bandwagon? Because that's a great song. I really like uh Do You Remember? I just love this singer. That, that might be my favorite song. I on love the album. that dude's voice from Death Cab for Cutie. I just think he has an amazing voice. And I never would have thought of throwing him in there to like deliver like an almost like Adam Levine esque chorus in a rap song. But way but better. It fits. It fits great. Um, I I like. I know it's been kind of mean, but I like the song "The Big Day." It's like very stripped down and uh, about to go crazy. The screaming is <laughs> the weirdest fucking shit. I've I kind heard of. In my life. I kind of like it because the album at that point needed like some invigorating <laughs> force, and it's so like, it oh, just took him screaming. <laughs> um. I like uh I like Zannies and Fools. It's a solid closer track. Um once again Nicki Minaj has a better verse than Chance on that. I like it's just weird that his features outshine him on almost every yeah. track on here. When he kind of made his name largely with features, you know, yeah. on Khaled songs, Bieber songs, that Action Bronson song. Um I I want to shout out a couple other ones. I love um the song Eternal. Uh, That's a good it, song. Smino. It does. It does have some some kind of lackluster lyrics in there, but it's got a great little hook. Uh, hot shower for the kind of simple song it is. It does get in your. It's an earworm. It's a little bit of an earworm. Once again, though, we're talking about albums that are on the first like six, seven tracks because I think that the album takes a bad turn like kind of post the big cliff. day. Like yeah. you tell me, you don't like Shawn Mendes. <sighs> My, oh, made my points. I've made my that points on I know I can treat you better <laughs> Finish it Hunter Better than he can All right. I've been putting that on All the skits <laughs> um, Some real uh, Some skits that are like Four minutes long And I'm like there's no need yeah, for this like, like son let me talk to you about marriage I know you got You got that the dude You got the dude with the voice But just don't don't do that it's just it's he's found himself in a strange middle ground in terms of what to talk about it's like that i think you should leave sketches like chance you had all summer to figure out <laughs> what to What'd do. You do what do you do like are you're grabbing my backpack okay it's just because he was <laughs> the main tenant of acid rap was the relatability at least because i mean the way that that album spread like wildfire was through the college crowd because that's the album was about doing drugs and being free and not in an obnoxious way. And the lyricism was on the level of an Eminem. But this is by the time that Eminem was so self-serious. And he was like, yeah. so he was being dead serious about his craft. And he was like, look at what I can accomplish with my words. And meanwhile, you have Chance. Just It sounds like he's just fucking around in the studio. And, and what was coming out was godliness. Uh, so there was an element of braggadocio there. But it was not the focus of the album. Coloring Book comes out. Uh, th- he's in the middle of this shift in, in into adulthood. He he has a kid. He has a woman, but they're not married yet, obviously. And then sent- after Coloring Book, they broke up. And they were like, yeah, we're going to figure it out, like raise the kids separately. And then they got back together. Uh, so right now he's in this space of 
what does he talk about? Like, it, that's why I feel like there are so many features all over this. And they are, like you said, often outshining him because he's like, all right, well, I can talk about my wife. <laughs> that's not, uh, you know, like the a, a big element of braggadocio is talking about like getting girls, but yeah. <laughs> or getting laid in general. But talking about your wife like that is not it's a joke. Like there are sketches about this. I well, want to I want to talk about the. uh the album cover for a second because when we when we first saw it when he first uh kind of unveiled it uh obviously it's it's a cd clear cd with like diamonds in it so it's like oh it's a ring (laughs) um it like makes me feel weird looking at it it it, like (laughs) it it registers this strange uh emotion in my mind that like resignation no it's like it's like this ickiness. I don't know. It's like it's this very saturated sunlit photo and it's just a a hand holding a clear CD. I don't know. It's like it's kind of like the same effect when you look at a face that's computer generated and so like the, the un- uncanny valley yeah, uncanny effect. Valley the, the Alita Battle Angel of, of album art. <laughs> it's just it just makes me feel weird. It's like what the fuck is going on? Cuz all his other album covers were just his face. And I was just like his hand holding a clear CD. It's like, what? It's the? like too high res almost. Yeah. Like it, it, you're right. Uh, I don't. I mean, the album cover is much maligned. When the story came out of what it is, it's the spot where he proposed. Yeah, and uh, you know, supposedly it was taken the day that he did propose at this backyard barbecue, which is a very sweet story. Uh, I don't think this is the picture for it. You know, this is a picture of a hand in a CD. It's not a picture. But of, in a way, I don't know, kind of proposing your wife if you love her so much. That this would be what he's going for, because just once again missing the mark, like the entire album. I did want to point out one thing that you talked about whenever we were talking off mic about how he's now nostalgia for being twenty one, and he's like twenty three. <laughs> yeah, he's like, damn, remember like five, bro, twenty fifteen. That shit was crazy, yo. <laughs> Like, c- calm down. You don't have to. You haven't had nothing. You haven't been to jail. You haven't had any kind of, like, horrible trials and tribulations in your life to, like, yeah. look back on four years ago. It's just, I, I said this on the pod uh, months ago talking about this album. Sometimes you hear a follow-up to an insanely good album, like uh, Acid Rap, the follow-up. When you hear Coloring Book, I do like Coloring Book. I still like it. I liked it at the time. But you hear that especially in retrospect and you just think he's not going to get back to that level right like he clearly it's on a different track he put work into coloring book and that's what he came up with and he has less and less time in his day to put work into an album and it's clearly you know it might be his third priority in life at this point you know what i mean or fourth this is not his main thing anymore and he has millions of fans who are kind of counting on it to be his main thing i'm not saying that he owes us anything but I don't owe him my ears if he doesn't want to put the effort in. Like, I I haven't listened... Like, I gave this album a couple listens just out of obligation. I don't want to listen to this album. Like, yeah, this is like I, a middling album. Aside from a few tracks, yeah, I think. Like, I'll, yeah, I'll playlist... I playlisted a couple of tracks, but we we don't owe him our ears and he doesn't owe us his effort uh it's it's kind of like bo burnham's uh thoughts in one of his specials about like stardom he's like listen if i stop putting out good shit like just abandon me like that our relationship is not personal yeah our, like transaction people want their relationship with artists to be so personal uh and it's simply not so if like this is why people just stick around with artists that are just simply no longer good years and years after the fact because you feel this connection but i'm done i'm over him unless the I'm, next album's good well, which, yeah, I'm not but gonna, i don't think I'm it not, will be I i'm not off the ship he still apparently has an album that he made with kanye last year and this gambino. album with yeah this album with gambino which has been apparently they've recorded tracks together and yeah. everything but they've just never been it's, released and if it i mean if he puts out more stuff and it's good then good but i don't like the idea of there are plenty of people online being keyboard warriors for this album and you're you're playing yourself kid like you're fucking playing yourself mm-hmm. well it, you know as chance says life's a midget but mine's a little lebron see that is one lyric that you can't excuse there's no excuse you can't even you, like fantano could not make it sound worse it's the worst lyric <laughs> on the album it's, it's the worst lyric he's ever shit out of his head it's horrible my favorite song again is do you remember death cab for cutie 
And one of the producers on that track is Mr. Justin Vernon. And he actually pops up on The Big Day, too, and Town on the Hill. So he's remained uh, maintained his professional relationship with uh, Mr. Chancellor Bennett. And now he has a new album out called I, 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 Captain. No, just I, I. Oh, Not, okay. Yeah, that, one's, that one was my little that was parenthetical. Um, so, Bonnie Vare, Justin Vernon, new album. What do you guys What do you guys think of Bonnie Vare? You into it? No? I really like mm-hmm. Bonnie Vare. Yeah? Um, I've, I like, Bonnie Vare is an artist who I really enjoy some of his albums, but I mostly like songs by Bonnie Vare. Um, I think that uh, was the the twenty. I need to pull up the uh, his last the album? album. Yeah, I really like what 22, was it twenty two sixteen twenty two a million. Yeah, I really like that. Or no, 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 it was the one. Uh, oh, the self titled. Yeah, the self titled twenty eleven. Really enjoyed that album. Um, I think that there's a song on there. I need to figure out what the Holocene. song is. That was it was mentioned. Yeah, Holocene is a great song. And then there's the song that was uh, featured on episode of. Um, of our show Legion that oh. we like. Um, oh, that was from 22 a million. Here's uh, what is that song called? Over I, Soon. Over Soon. That is an amazing song. Mm-hmm. Probably my favorite Bonnie Vare song. Yeah. Bonnie Vare is a very interesting artist to read about. I, I think that there's a pretty good case to be made that he has had a top five impact on music as a whole mm-hmm. this century. Yeah. Of anybody. His approach to harmonies yeah. and melodies He's, and the, pr- the 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 effects that you put on vocals exactly. and stuff like he that. He produced My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Mm-hmm. On top of that, Skinny Love, the song, came out in 07. Yeah. That song, for better or worse, invented the Lumineers. <laughs> it truly did. And it invented a pretty good portion of Mumford & Sons' yeah. discography. Like, it's a very he, simple song, too. Yeah. It's in this open C tuning uh, with just one guitar in his voice. But it it has this really detailed yet s- simplistic production to it that set it apart, and that was the song that really put him on the map. Yeah, it 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 started an entire sect of uh al- like alternative pop that is fake folk because he mm-hmm. was real folk, obviously. Yeah, um, I mean he his follow up his uh his self titled he literally went to the middle of nowhere in Wisconsin and lived in a cabin. Yeah, and he built a sill to slow down the time. <laughs> exactly. And he he lived, like, on his own in seclusion to, to write all these songs. I think that self-titled uh, is still my favorite mm. just because it's so unique. It, it's very dreamlike, very ethereal, but there's just this very confident... Uh, uniqueness to it and and i think the other albums are all still amazing even this new one is excellent but that that uh self-titled it's just so close to perfection that i gotta pick it as my favorite and then with the one after that with 22 million he got super like electronic and experimental that it just opened up this new chapter for him and he started collaborating with with chance and with kanye and with francis and the lights and all these people and also his collaboration with the National, uh, that Big Red Machine uh, project that I shouted out uh, when we did our best albums of last year. So he's been dabbling in all these different areas, uh, all, all these different sounds that are not anywhere near close to folk, that are more close to hip-hop and electronic music. And in this new one, I, I it seems like he's not reverting back to his old sound but he's incorporating elements of it into that electronic um approach and it's great i mean it's really really great i don't i don't think it's something that i would put as like must listen incredible music that is life-changing but i think bonnie bear is kind of like in his own tier Mm -hmm. he's off in his own little island world and he's thriving well i did have a question because and this is going to sound like a huge criticism but i don't mean it to sound that way where some of bonnie bear's music can almost it almost sounds like 
backing music to something else. It sounds yeah, like it could soundtrack. be like a film score yeah. or like a soundtrack or something like that. I don't mean that in an insult at all. I'm the person who just like puts on the Gone Girl film score whenever I'm just like doing things around my house. But like, does this album have a little bit more cohesion to it? Like yes something and more no. like this self-titled? Yes and no. I, there are moments that do kind of like give you that little bit of a hook that little bit of like this more conventional chorus sound to it um those are mainly the the singles that he put out um hey ma is one of them um there's another one called let me pull it up real quick yeah hey ma is one of the singles uh the other one that stands out in that uh same way is a song called faith and another one called Salem. So out of the 13 tracks, I'd say like maybe a third of them are like that. This mm. kind of like more uh, mainstream conventional approach that's very rare for him nowadays. I mean, just look at 22 A Million. Yeah, that's... Just the, the titles of those songs, <laughs> like these weird symbols that weren't even letters. Like that just tells yeah. you already. 22 A Million is one of the best album names ever yeah like it's such a cool name it just it just works yeah and this one it's not way out it's not as much out there in terms of like being experimental it's a little bit more grounded uh but it's not a super accessible you know poppy yeah. thing well either. yeah, yeah, yeah. i still... wouldn't expect that from bonnie fair right i just i didn't know if it has where i know like a lot of the songs on a self-titled album do have a little bit more like a holocene or something they have some kind of a hook that like brings exactly. you back to it yes yes even though that album still sends you into like yeah. this dream yeah, state yeah, yeah. um so yeah i recommend it it's i i bonnie Vare. like i said you can't really compare him to anybody else he's just so unique yeah. That he's he's off in his he's, in his own he's world. He's an artist. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. Not even joking. I shouldn't have even said it jokingly. <laughs> he's he's on his own shit, and I appreciate everything he does for that. Even if I don't love everything he's ever done, like you gotta you gotta appreciate the guys who really are sinking their you know. In contrast to um, Mr. I love my wife. This guy is sinking his life Ooh, into this music. God, so many shots fired at Chance. I mean, I don't know. I just, I'm salty because I feel like there's this pressure with Chance to, like, that if you don't like his new shit, then you were never really a fan. And I think that that's absolute bullshit. Like, I have the most reverence in the world for acid rap. And I, that does not mean that I have to stick around when he sucks. Like, he is not personally going to be hurt by my words oh he'll be until fine. i send him this audio yeah which i will yeah especially the part about uh hunter saying that he hopes something bad happens to him. No. <laughs> i don't i don't i don't mean that that's gonna get taken that out just... that soundbite is gonna get taken out of context i think that the but... context was that you want something bad i don't to happen. want something <laughs> bad to happen to him i just want him to go through maybe he's maybe they just him and his wife stay together but like I don't know, man. There's some friction in their relationship. Just give me a little bit of that. No, that's fair enough. Maybe they Chance, should have give like, me your lemonade. Maybe they should have like five kids, and then we can have an album about like. Uh, oh, raising... I love my kids. I love all my kids. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of five kids, Julio Torres. <laughs> no, keeping... no, okay. Sometimes I'm like, man, Ernest is so good at transitions. He's gonna pull this one out. Uh. So Julio Torres has if, four siblings, right? Uh, may, I mean, who knows? Anyway, I, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> could be. So congrats. Okay. Um, so it, you may remember, list, dear listeners, uh, a few months ago, I want to say, I did an up-and-coming uh, people in oh, comedy yeah. segment where I talked about all the people that I think you need to know their names because you will soon and you're going to sound really mm -hmm. smart. And vulture.com listen to that uh, episode. And then, yeah. And then vulture puts out a list that is so, so similar to mine. Uh, it's as if I got half of my knowledge from vulture or something. Um, yeah. anyway, one of the people on that list, Julio Torres, who is a truly singular mind in comedy, one of the most bizarre voices out there. He got an HBO hour long special. Oh, um, HBO. That's yes, right. On HBO. It's an hour long. Julio, uh, if you don't know, is a truly surrealist uh, comic. He is uh, 
I mean, that's really the only word for it. He's uh, LGBT. He's been coming up in that scene in New York. And he lives in New York because he also writes for SNL and has for a couple years now. He wrote the Fisher Price uh, Wells for Boys sketch, which is one of the top five sketches. It's oh, a great sketch. So one of the top good. five sketches of the decade. Uh, he, yeah, you he, talked about that sketch on that episode. Prob- sure. Probably. Yeah. He's, and he, uh, more recently, he wrote the one that emma stones in where she's an actress in a gay porn and she's taking it really seriously mm-hmm. um <laughs> that's another great i know he, I know he only about. writes good things basically so i was really excited for this special it just came out i cannot recommend the special enough it is called my favorite shapes you will never see a special that's anything like this it is truly the most unique comedy special i've seen in my whole life um more unique even than Fred Armisen's stand-up for drummers. But it is oh. it is on that level because Julio actually has worked with Fred a lot. They have a... On SNL. Uh, n- well, no, even... I don't. I think Fred was already gone, but they have like a little production thing that they do together. Um, like a live thing? He, he... Fred is... He has kind of like a creative think tank for funny uh, people from Latin countries. Uh, yeah, and Julio's from... He's a first-gen immigrant from El Salvador. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, they, they have even a show together, him and Anna Fabrega, and it's made by Fred. It's called Los Espookies. Have mm-hmm. you heard of that? Yes, yeah. I have. That's Julio, and I, I also recommend Anna Fabrega. So there's the HBO made. link right there, because that's yes. on HBO. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Julio is... I mean, Julio is going places, people. But this special, anyway, it's called My Favorite Shapes. This is truly a special that is about his favorite shapes. <laughs> he is... The set of it is like like neo futuristic but some also retro he is sitting down in front of him is a conveyor belt that like an electronic conveyor belt and he has a foot pedal that controls it and on the conveyor belt spaced out like 10 feet at a time is just different shapes and he literally Amazing. will show you the shape and tell you about it it is unbelievably <laughs> funny like he and he, this is a guy who like never ever when when he's on stage is never letting you in on the fact that he knows it's a joke. He is fully in character as this very serious man. So what kind of shapes are we talking? We talking cubes? We talking well, spheres? It, it, 2D? 3D? The, the thing is, Julio is so imaginative that it veers off in so many different directions. Like, yeah, sometimes he'll just show you a square <laughs> and then he'll, he'll talk about that shape. it. Uh, other times great shape he'll he'll show you like a toy or something like that and then he'll give you its entire backstory (laughs) a lot of it is personifying these uh shapes like he's like giving them names and like he's telling you about them like they're people so it'll be a circle and be like this is edward yeah exactly it's it's a lot of that it's a lot of or it'll just be like you know uh this (laughs) I'll, i'll spoil one of them he he pulls out like it's this like crystal kind of jar thing he's like all right this is me uh coming into a meeting late and then he suddenly lifts the jar and there's a cactus inside and he goes and chiming in (laughs) (laughs) it's 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 so funny like uh half of it is just the spectacle of what you're seeing you almost the entire time you almost can't believe that this is really a thing like a comedy special of a guy with a conveyor belt showing you shapes and he makes it work. And there are a lot of like cutaway bits that play very similar to the things he's written for SNL. Uh, they usually revolve around objects ha- having an existential crisis. Oh, wow. Which is, he wrote uh, one, you may remember, that's about a very fancy sink that was on SNL. And it's just this sink, like, wondering what its purpose is. Um, it was way too weird for SNL. But there are like a few cutaway things like that with voice acting work by Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. <laughs> So it's a it's it's a live stand-up show with like yeah. pre-recorded bits. Yeah, with a in. few pre-recorded bits. It truly veers off in so many directions that I don't want to spoil any more than that. This right, is I really check it out. this is mm. a special special. Like it really is. And and would it classify as prop comedy? Kind yeah, it kind of is prop comedy, but not is in stand-up for drummers technically prop comedy I, I mean i guess it's just not like when you say that you think of carrot top and it's not a carrot top thing <laughs> okay. where he's like hey i made this funny thing like the things themselves are not always funny right it's just it's it's a testament to imagination that's what it is like this this guy he says it a few times in the special he really truly is just a little kid prank playing pretend who like never grew up mm-hmm. and he has such a vivid uh brain like it's it's great that's cool because uh stand-up a lot of times there's so much of it now that there can be a lot of overlap, a lot of uh, sameness. So when somebody comes in and it's like, yo, 
yeah. this shit is you've never seen anything like this then it's like yeah. okay i gotta check yeah. it out and and it may not be everybody's cup of tea it's very i mean it's obviously extremely weird uh a lot of it is kind of anti-comedy it's a laugh because he's being so serious and there isn't a laugh so that audience just has to laugh which <laughs> i'm a huge fan of that obviously yeah. i like stand up for drummers is my favorite special of the last couple of years yeah um this is on the level this is more really so good. than mulaney yeah oh wow damn mm. okay All yeah right. Well, speaking of anti-comedy, Hunter. Yeah, I'm going, um, it's actually not a comedy at all. Um, it's kind of on the opposite playing field. So I saw a spooky movie this week. Uh, the newest release uh, from uh, executive produced and written by Guillermo del Toro. Oh, he wrote, he adapted it. He adapted it. Oh. He was one of the adapters. Um did you guys? I'm talking about scary stories to tell in the dark. Um, did you guys ever read scary stories to tell in the dark as a kid? I was too scared. Yeah, um, I so saw the cover art and I was like, yeah, "This is." No, no I I had this book as a kid. I don't really remember all of the little thing. I remember it, it started. Some of it started to come back to me watching this movie. Um, but pretty much scary stories to tell in the dark. It was a book series for like kids that read Goosebumps and were like, "This isn't scary." Um, which I was one of those kids because I my nerves have been fried since I was like six years old. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really enjoyed this book. It's uh, just a collection of short, super scary stories along with uh, drawings of the different monsters and stuff like that. And they're all drawn like very black and white, super creepy stuff, unsettling. The cover art was black and white too, right? Yeah, yeah, the cover art was black and white. But I mean, there would just be like pictures. Like I'm just gonna show you guys. Like these are just some of the images. Oh yeah, that they I would remember have that shit. Yeah, just like some really scary shit as a kid. Um, Still scary. So, in like the in like the second or third grade, maybe even first grade. I might be misremembering, but I remember there was a kid in my class who, during reading time, decided to pick that up and read it out loud to some of the people in the classroom, and I was fucking traumatized yeah it's it's scary it's really scary because i mean some of it is still like troubling even as an adult reading it um but it's a collection of short stories um 2019 we have an adaptation from norwegian filmmaker andre ovredal um you might know him as the guy who made the autopsy of jane doe a few years ago um solid movie yeah, could have uh, been better. I've heard that there's like some cool direction stuff in it, but overall the movie isn't very good mm-hmm. from what I've heard. Um, that kind of leads into a little bit of my thoughts for this movie. Um, I will say this guy has an eye for shooting horror movies. The direction of the horror scenes in this movie are incredible. Like, really, really troubling, upsetting. Some cool stuff. There is some jump scary stuff, which I've been out talking about how I hate jump scares and I think that they're stupid and they're ruining horror movies in the 21st century but um they don't all rely on that some of them some of the scares play really slowly and you just like slowly watch this monster like creep up on you um really effective unfortunately um to make this like work like a movie they tried to give it a narrative arc um, throughout the whole movie uh, starring these kids that they sneak into this abandoned house where there's this uh, child who goes crazy and kills a bunch of other kids and everything else. So they try to incorporate that story into the larger narrative on why these spooky things are happening is that they read the book, Scary Stories to Tell oh, the in the book Dark. book is in the movie? Yeah. Um, oh, okay. That's Isn't that like, what Goosebumps did too? Yeah, it is. It's it, it is similar to Goosebumps. I will say this is a much better movie than Goosebumps, um, because it actually is scary and it's not just like, look, it's a gummy bear monster that's coming to attack us. Spooky. Um, <laughs> there is some uh, creepy stuff in here. Unfortunately, a lot of the stuff with the kids is just bad writing. Um, there's some decent child acting in here, uh, specifically the main girl, uh, Zoe Margaret Coletti does a solid job. And then there's, um, there's a couple of other good ones. I did want to shout out my guy, um, Austin Abrams. You might know him from, um, he was in Paper Towns. 
and uh, Gangster Squad. I'm trying to figure out what it is that I've seen Gangster him in. Squad. Gangster Squad. The Ryan um, Gosling. No, he's been movie. in some stuff before, and he just plays like a douchebag jock guy, and he's just the perfect horror movie character that you want where you see him, and you're like, yeah, I hope that like something traumatizing happened to him and it does he gets turned into a scarecrow and you like just watch him he's like walking and like coughing up uh like straw and shit out of his mouth and like literally becoming a scarecrow so some stuff like that is really effective um overall this movie isn't very it's i'd give i'd say it's like a solid six um but there is, if you're a horror movie fan, I do definitely recommend it just for the uh, the whole aesthetic of the movie. It did remind me a little bit of the movie that we saw last year that played at the Enzian, uh, Ghost Stories. Ah, do you remember Ghost yeah, Stories? Yeah, yeah, like an anthology type thing. Yes, and I wish that it would have gone more the Ghost Stories route because I really loved Ghost Stories. I liked how there was a little bit of a narrative arc to it, but for the most part it was just like, look at these three separate kind of fabled ghost stories yeah. and how they'll kind of come together for somebody who's investigating uh, paranormal activity. I wish it would have gone a little bit more of that route instead of having this whole story. The th- thing is that, and maybe this is a whole thing that goes into the horror aesthetic of it all, that they do such a good job with that that every time it's just the kids talking and they try to establish like a little bit of a love relationship, you're like, I don't give a fuck about these kids. Like, let's get back to the scary shit. There's the the main girl, um, her I'm just gonna kinda give minor spoilers for this movie away. It's a scary movie. I'm not gonna spoil anything for you. Like just go see it. That's the whole point of it. Um, but her mom abandons her as a child. Um which is stated in the beginning of the movie and then it's reestablished at one point in the movie and then of course it makes its big conclusion at the end of the movie where she's just like is that did did mom leave because of me <laughs> and i'm like i don't care i rolled my eyes so much during all of these scenes i was like i do not give a uh. fuck but um if you like scary movies i like schlocky horror movies and this isn't full schlock Maybe it would have been better if it would have just embrace the schlockiness and just been like, we're just going to be scary and not even try to have it's a It's not B rated story. R, is it? Um, I'm not sure, actually. Yeah, is it PG-13? It, it can't be R. It's PG-13, but it is like, they lean on the PG-13. There is blood and stuff like that that's in this movie. And I guess they, they do minimize the blood in a cool way where they'll have something like a guy turning into a scarecrow where technically you're not seeing blood, but it's still very upsetting um especially if like you're younger and you're a horror fan if you're like 11 12 13 and you're somebody who's getting into horror movie i would definitely recommend this to you uh because i think that this is a good introduction into the genre itself it's like just enough to like go to the movies by yourself and like be like hey mom wouldn't let me see this and then like not be scarred for life yeah well i mean it but there is like some upsetting things like there's some some spooky faces and stuff like that that's in here but i would recommend going to see this over something like the curse of la llorona or something like that any day How dare like you? did you see that no oh, okay no i'm not i'm not going to because the thing is that i i I will say, I'm a big fan of the Conjuring movies. Conjuring 1 and Conjuring 2, I really like those movies. The spinoffs have been mediocre at best. Um, But those are movies, especially the spinoffs, that rely solely on the jump scare aesthetic of it. Jump scare and spooky faces, where I think that the direction of this movie is actually really well done. The way that they use colors and these red flashing lights and stuff like that. It is really well done. It's not super... It's not a ton of handheld shaky cam stuff like you see in a lot of horror movies. The direction is by far the best part of this movie. I'm interested to know what Guillermo's actual involvement is because I feel like he really... He just loves his monsters. He loves his monsters. That's what I was wondering. What did he do? Well, because he has a writing credit. I feel like he just kind of helped... Uh, write some of the stuff with the actual monster scenes, and I'm gonna guess that he did none of the actual like screenplay. It's just like a little passion lifting. project. Yeah, exactly. He was just like, I just won my Oscar. I'm just gonna like take a little whatever job to make mm-hmm. make a little bit extra money, write some monsters. Um, monsters. 
I, I recommend this movie if you're a horror fan. Um, Scary stories to tell yeah. in the dark in theaters now. Another movie. Oh, the, it turns out the real horror is racist cops and parents that abandon you. Huh. Whoa. Another movie that's in theaters right now is Dora. And Have you seen wait. Dora? No. <laughs> no. Wait, <laughs> I was no. like, wait, what? But last week I talked about The Lost City of Z. And this week we're reviewing Dora and the Lost City of Z. Charlie Hunnam is Dora. Come on, guys! No, he's don't we love to he's see more it. Boots. Don't whitewash my Dora the Explorer. Charlie Hunnam is a POC. No, no, no. We're not. We're not talking Dora. We're talking Rami. Rami. So now you're just. <laughs> what was that? That wasn't even a transition. <laughs> you're just making transitions. You made to a transition. And say no. That's not the transition. We're talking this thing. <laughs> I'm. I'm. My brain is doing Woo. aerobatics right now. Yeah. Okay. Well, wouldn't that be great though? Just think about it. Dora and the Lost City of Z. Someone make that crossover. Yeah. 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 Okay. Oh, I guess uh, quickly before we talk about Rami, just a very 30-second blurb. I did see Fatal Attraction for the first time. Highly recommend that movie. That movie is it's it's quite good. Glenn Close is terrifying. Ooh, um, like, truly terrifying. Also, Michael Douglas is amazing in this movie. Um and I think that it stopped an entire generation of adults from committing adultery. Oh wow, wow! I'll give a quick uh, little propaganda, a movie. little shout out too for Glow on Netflix. Um, nobody really watches this show, and it's fucking excellent. Uh, so if you're one of the few people that watches Glow, tweet at us at We Bought a Mic. It us does know pretty well. I feel like it's just that we, it? it's just that we don't watch it. I I recommend checking it out. It's, it is. It's not popular in the Wabam Circle, which yeah. is just the three of us Ru- because yeah. you're the only person. Man, that roughly a third it. of people are watching this. <laughs> Every um. With its third season now that just premiered, it's like barely even about wrestling at this point. Like they're in Vegas doing a wrestling show, and you know that's like kind of the backdrop for it. But it's more a show about like this cast of character, these these people, their personal struggles, their relationships, um, and it gets heartbreaking and also hilarious and really honest and sincere. It's a really good show. I really like it. Okay. Uh, it's it's one of my favorites right now. It, it might make the best of the year. I'm, I'm like halfway through season three, so we'll see. Um, as long as we're just doing quick little blurbs. Guys, Bachelor in Paradise. Oh, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> Things are popping off. I mean, you have <laughs> classic You just scenarios. needed your Bachelor, your bachelor fix. You Wait, can so get Bachelorette is done? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, Who bi- won? Oh, see, I could pop off about that. So <laughs> Jed wins, this guy who just sucks at everything. Well, he- that's the Bachelor in general. That's just always how it works, is that's never the person who everybody picks. Yeah, the best there was one. this like hot hunk who everybody loves, and then there's this dipshit musician who's ugly and bad at music, and his family is horrible. And she picks him, of course. Then she finds out that he's been lying and he had a girlfriend like right before he left and he he was he went on the show just to forward his music career which is something he did tell her mid-season uh and she kept him around anyway uh so she picks jed finds out that blah 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 so then in the finale they they bring him out in front of the audience the audience specials of the bachelor are great because it's just a sea of white women um just popping off like they're having the time of their life at these events uh really it's the dream that's where i want to go Anyway, sounds hot. Batch in Paradise. Oh yeah, I mean the the one that everyone likes came out during that. These these chicks were horny. Mm. The, like the whole audience was just screaming for this man Tyler, and I mm. get it. My guy Tyler, guy's a hunk. Ugh. But uh, you know who's also a bachelor in Paris? Rami Yusuf. P- paradise. <laughs> what did Paris. I say? Paris. No, par- Paradise. Par- paradise. Pa- paradise. Paradise. Bachelor in Paradise. <laughs> Rami. Rami Yusuf on Hulu. Guys, I just finished this season. It took me a little bit, um, but it's pretty fucking excellent. It's a great show. I really, really loved it. There's some episodes that like venture a little bit off the the sort of uh, main through line of the show because I think the the big theme here is a mix of like America, the immigrant experience, Islam, identity. Uh, religion, all of these, like this really well stewed hodgepodge of things. And there's a couple of episodes that stray from that. And sometimes I like those strays. Uh, for example, the, the episode that centered on the mom, I thought that was really great. Um, but for the most part, I never thought that the show faltered. 
It's always this it's, very it's consistent really tone. Uh, I remember you compared it to Atlanta at one point, where bit. like it, you know the a, any episode could kind of go anywhere. You know this sense of like mm-hmm. adventure um, it, within this established world. So I really like that about it. Um, I definitely think think it gets very good towards the end. It starts yeah. like solid. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the episodes that's just Rami like figuring out who he's no, gonna have are, sex with. Those are uh, bothersome episodes, especially yeah. like I was doing math in my how many episodes are there in the season ten. total? So ten episodes. The five best ones are the are the ones where he's least the focus. There's the one. Yes. Well, there's the one where the childhood one, which is that he, might be the best one. Yeah, yeah. he is the focus, yeah. but the focus is the childhood. The, like yeah. it's a big and it's a different actor big shift. playing young him. Yeah, and then you have the two uh, Israel episodes. Which are or not e- Egypt, Egypt? Sorry, yeah. The two final episodes, which yeah. are amazing, yeah, so and those well are, directed. He's still the focus so. of those, but also being in Egypt is a very big uh, deal for yeah. the show. Like those are amazing, and then obviously you have the mom episode and the sister episode, I really, both of which are unbelievably good. Yeah, the sister one with Plop, I thought was really, really well done. The mom one really hit me in the feels. The oh mom one is great. God, yeah, it's such I really a good love that episode. one with her picking up being an Uber driver and stuff like that. Yeah. Is... <laughs> and one thing I was I was just talking to Hunter about before we started recording is like this is a show that makes you feel very uncomfortable in ways that other shows don't. So think of something like Nathan for you or The Office that's like cringe comedy. That's like hard to look at because of how hyper real it is. It's like too fucking real. Rami is like that, but also not that. It's like there are times where I had to like almost look away because of how just like viscerally real it was. You know, like this episode with the mom, she starts talking to this black lady that sits in the passenger seat, starts talking to her about her hair and how she's so glad she doesn't wear fake hair or like a perm or something. And I'm just like, lady, what the hell are you saying right now? Shut up. Yeah. And it's like there's so many moments like that that it's just this very kind of human natural interaction. But it's like it's not done in the way where those like the Nathan for you's in the office where it's cringe comedy it's not trying to be that it's still grounded drama with a tinge of comedy still very uncomfortable to watch so it's 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 this level this layer that i've never quite seen introduced before in a show like this and i really like that about it and that gets elevated to a whole nother level in the final episode which i'll get to in a second uh after i put up a little little spoiler um warning but before that, uh, I just think it's a really well done show, very well written, well acted. The vibe, the tone, it's all amazing. Yeah. All those themes that I mentioned about Islam and, and America, uh, especially, again, in the Egypt episodes where you start to see this uh, culture in Cairo that is like consumed by American, uh, uh, American consumerism yeah. and how they like worship America and capitalism in, in a way that really contrasts with what Rami is looking for in his identity yeah, and which what is, he wants. Yeah, to he's looking love, for an escape from exactly that. Yeah. I love the Egyptian look at American politics whenever they have that. Like, yeah, the Trump shit. Oh my <laughs> is God. amazing. They're like, yeah, no, Obama was the worst. Like, he's Muslim and he's like afraid to come out as Muslim. But this Trump guy, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, it's. I loved all of that. I said uh, whenever I finished the show that I think that. To compare it to another Hulu show, I think that this show has higher highs than anything that Pen15 does, but I think Pen15 is much more consistent episode to episode. Sure. I just think that, like, especially in these last two episodes, wherever we're in Egypt, the direction is amazing. I'm like, it feels so real and full. It feels like a real place because it is, but it feels like a place that you are there with the characters at, and you feel like Rami does, where. It's this other culture that you're trying to grasp onto, but you kind of feel disconnected from it. And that way it kind of reminded me of The Farewell, now thinking about mm-hmm. it, where being, a family. being an immigrant and you're going back to where you're from, but you're not really from there. Right. You're more American than you are Egyptian. Definitely. More American than you are Chinese, where you don't really feel like you fully belong anywhere. Yeah. And that this show does capture that feeling very um, well. And moving forward with the show, I I believe in uh, Rami at this point. I mean, he had never directed anything 
up to this and his directing is great in the episodes that he does direct i think he just did the one just the childhood episode yeah. which is like you said the but best. he wrote like yeah he every, yeah he, he every was single so, one at least he was co-wrote he was very heavily involved with every step of this process and to come from being a relative unknown to doing that is extremely impressive so i believe in him fully uh my hope is that he does take a page out of the Atlanta playbook and realize that maybe Rami's character is the least interesting character mm, on the show. Yeah. Um, because that's what, I mean, Donald Glover figured that out like really, really early on in Atlanta. He was like, Oh no, 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 no. These are like, these actors need a spotlight on them. Yeah. And that's true of Rami. Every actor in that show is really, really His talented. parents really wowed me. Yeah. Um, especially the mom. Cause she gets her, her own. Episode. She's incredible. <sighs> She's so good. Also, and she's the same girl from Succession, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Marsha? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um Steve, the the wheelchair guy. Yeah. Randy's uh, real life best friend. Yeah. This guy, wow. <laughs> is he's not an actor. No, he's no. he's a comedian. He's a stand up. Okay, he is. Uh he was he's working so good in this. When when he got this show when Rami was like, Hey, I'm gonna make you do this show. <laughs> Because that their whole dynamic is Rami's always forcing Steve to do stuff. Right. Um, Steve was working as a substitute teacher back in their hometown, uh, and Rami was like, "No, no, no! Come on, come on! You're gonna, we're gonna do this show. You're gonna be on my show." He's so good. Yeah, it's he's amazing. His episode is great where he they go over to the high school yeah, girls' place. I really want to talk about oh, this. Oh man, that should was... we should we put up a spoiler? Or I mean, it's it's up. It. It's already up. Yeah, let's. Okay, we so, can go ahead and put one up. Yeah, it's oh, truly okay. bizarre. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see you next week for Scooby Doo if you skip this. But uh, or did you already listen to Scooby Doo? Whatever. Spoilers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Rami, episode what is it? Seven, I think. Eight. One of those. Where they where Steve wants to to get fucked, <laughs> and they go see this gamer girl, and she wants to get trashed. Yeah, and this. Is what I'm talking about about the uncomfortableness. Yeah, this was the, the most uncomfortable whole episode. You feel trapped, and the performance of this little girl—not both girls are good, but the little girl the that, that tries Rami's to talking to that tries to kiss him. Yeah. Oh my God, what a performance! God, because she is starts so out like she starts like out in like in the corner. Um, yeah. barely even notice her. It's just like, oh, this girl is just on her phone. She's not even going to be yeah, the focus she's nothing. of anything. And then it's just, it gets so deep with her. And uh, she is unbelievably good so at good. acting. And she, she gave me big vibes of Kaylee in eighth grade. Yes. Where she just has the look and she just has the voice, you mm-hmm. know? Like, but but much more morose. Well, sad. yeah. I mean, I mean, for like a lived in teen. Yeah. Like she just has it. She is so good. Kayla at least like, has a little bit of confidence and and oh yeah they're very different but just in terms of how fucking incredible they are yeah the 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 level of acting is just i was not expecting and also the level of writing like who would think to focus on that you know that's and to have it work you know having a little teenager come on to the guy that's writing and creating the show that could very easily fall apart. Fall into like I love you, daddy. Yeah, ma- yeah, type material. But it's, and it doesn't. It because it's so uncomfortable. It has to be uncomfortable. Otherwise, you're like, man, this dude likes this shit. <laughs> well, you know? also, so that also leads into this whole thing where Rami is like, by f- I like, I think that it's safe to say that he is by far the worst person on this show. Like he does not paint himself in any kind of a flattering light whatsoever. Where like he literally he is involved in an affair. With somebody who goes to the same right. mosque as him. Yep. And he ends up hooking up with his cousin at the end of the season. But That's like, another it moment shows, of so much discomfort. It's so hard to watch. But at least you're like, okay, well, he's not fucking children. He is fucking his cousin. And like being like that whole last scene with them together is hard to watch because he is yeah. coming on so strong. Yeah. And she is like... Kind of not really that into it at first, trying to fight well, against it. Like, you're my her. cousin. Yeah, she's not the one that goes for it. It's, but she, but that, she's that was there. a shocking moment. Oh yeah, that's God. and, and then that's just how it ends oh with him kissing. God. That was truly a I do, shock. So Holy whenever I first shit. started watching this show, especially in the beginning, it gave me very much Master of None vibes. Yeah, but I like that. 
where Aziz never really puts himself as the bad guy in any of the episodes of Master of None, Rami is fully willing to just be like, yeah, I'm I'm a horrible person on this show. Even in the, the home life scenes where you get to see the perspective of the of mom this, yeah. and, and the sister. And the sister, yeah, definitely. Yeah. How kind of How Rami's uh, just always like, yeah, I'm, I'm going out. Yeah, and, and the sister's like, you know, I would like to have your life. I love, I love the way that the women are portrayed in this show because it shows a completely different culture that we're not yeah. used to. And, and that speaks to my point about maybe he realizes he needs to relinquish the spotlight even a little more because uh, the first few ups are very good, but it is a lot of Rami being like, man, I sure would like to have sex. Yeah, that, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that that wasn't like a huge if they, Yeah, if that were the yeah. whole show, we'd have a problem. It's just yeah. like, oh, I can't do drugs or drink alcohol, but I'm going to have sex with lots yeah. of different people. And and but the like, thing that they you? do keep as a through line is that desire to be this devout muslim practicing oh, muslim yeah. because so, that is a fascinating character struggle yeah and then he goes to egypt to the place where he thinks he's going to find all these answers and the scene with his cousin is amazing where he's like dude we're god is not here like you're <laughs> coming here looking for something you're not going to find yeah well and i love everything there where he tries he like pulls the full american tourist thing where he's just like yeah i just want to go there where like there was that shooting and everything oh i want to see that yeah and his cousin's just like, yo, Bro, dude, like, I have friends that life. fucking die there. Yeah, you're there. bumming like, this everybody isn't, out. <laughs> this isn't something that you just, like, talk about just like, man, this is so crazy. I just want to see this place. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, you're right. He he is fully willing to portray himself very negatively. And that's, I mean, props to him. A lot of creators are way too egotistical to do that. Um, I, I wanted to say also, the other main critique, y- you guys might remember that I said, it improves over the course of the season, which is... Uh, especially early on, it is really telegraphing to you the message. It's yeah. really having characters be like, man, I guess we just have different cultural viewpoints. And they like look at the camera, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like over the because the best thing about Atlanta is that it doesn't do that. Right. It, it really it does not just overtly state its character struggles. It shows you them. And there's a huge, huge difference between those two things. Later on in the season, Rami gets gradually better at that. I'm, the trajectory of the show leads me to believe that season two is going to be incredible. Mahershala Ali casting it. We'll see what I'm, he does. I'm I have no looking, idea what they're going to happen. I'm do. looking forward to it so much. Yeah. Is he going to play an Egyptian? Is it next year? Is it coming out 2020? I think so. Does it so. have a date? Okay. I think so. The other the other last point I wanted to mention is the whole uh, kind of like family dynamic, immigrant experience type thing where they really make sure, like I know this because I'm an immigrant, but they make sure that you understand that like part of what that experience, part of what defines that dynamic is this like heavy, heavy focus on family and that like close knit aspect of it mm-hmm. and how in be in moving to america and becoming americanized there's this desire to disband that and to be more independent and move away from that close-knit aspect so there's this inherent friction that happens that you see the parents especially in the mom episode where you really see it from her perspective that she is actively being impacted by Rami just living normal life as an American guy, just living on his own, wanting to do his own thing, the desire for the sister to do her own thing. Like, that's a perfectly normal thing for American people to do. But because there, there's this cultural uh, divide, it really hits her and impacts her. And that adds to the point about Rami portraying himself as a little bit of a villain because he is not technically being a good son in the eyes of what his culture and what his mom deemed to be appropriate yeah Yeah. so there's these wrinkles where these themes start to tie themselves together in these really interesting ways that i love yeah it's it's kind of it's very admirable to me because we live in a time when i could see uh muslim creators wanting to uh make their people look good in their art right and there it's i think it's a lot more effective in this and in the big sick uh neither kumail nor rami is trying to make some like propaganda show or movie for the nation of islam of course they're not they're saying hey we're like the ultimate humanization is to show that everyone is people everyone is just people Mm -hmm. with flaws and benefits there are good people and bad people of every type uh 
and that is ultimately is I think the most effective thing the whole show does is it just shows they have the exact same types of struggle that so many other people do, but in a different way. Yeah. Uh, it does. It's so effective to me. I Love really, it. this show took me completely out of nowhere. It's I so good. I listened to uh, a pod that Rami was on and he sounded so, I mean, he, his story is, you know, it mirrors the show a lot. Mm-hmm. Like he, he really is Muslim, actually Muslim. And he actually is straight edge. He doesn't do drugs or alcohol or anything. And he is a comedian. And those are you. Those are the two things that you really. It's hardest to be if you're a comedian. Except the moment where he took a sip of beer with that little fifteen year old girl. <laughs> yeah. And he gets high. Yeah. yeah. Um, Wait, when did he get high? He gets high, and it's That's probably right, my early least on. favorite episode yeah. of the entire season where he gets high, and then like he's there with Steve and, and like talking with his mom. His mom, yeah. And it's, it's like, yo, Steve's gonna die, bro. <laughs> It's like that part is just like it's just like too much. Well, that's a th- Remy like, is do in this. real life. He is kind of a little stinker because Steve is going to die right in real life. And he talked about showing Steve that script. And Steve said that he was at first he was like, he had to be is, convinced. He was like, this is fucked. Yeah. <laughs> and Remy was like, no, 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 it's going to be funny. Like, trust me. And uh, eventually he convinced him. So Rami is like truly like a <laughs> he's Yikes. a stinky boy. Yeah. He, he, but I, it's a I great do want to plug um uh a twenty four podcast uh with Rami Yusuf and Aquafina. Oh, I got the A twenty four podcast. That's very cool. Really good pod. Yeah. Uh, between the two of so them, much, so many links there. Well, yeah, because I mean, both of them are like immigrants that came over and now are more associated with being american than they are with the original cultures but kind of it's it's a great pod about family and the whole family dynamics of having that kind of an immigrant type family definitely just want to plug that cool all right all right well that about does it for this week thanks for listening watch rammy on hulu uh live sports live tv Live and if you go to Hulu.com right now slash live TV, you can get Hulu live for $49.99 a month. But if you use promo code, if you just leave that space blank, you can get a week free. All right. Well, on that note, thanks for listening. Wabam. Another great one. Check out our um, Scooby-Doo recast. It's a big one. It's mm-hmm. a it's a it's a hefty one. Um, also, the retcon episode coming at you fast, and then in September, more goodies like it chapter two and Ad Astra. So plenty oh, of good things um, coming. September October is yeah. looking good. Also, Succession is back. Yeah. Mindhunter is back. Got lots of good, a uh, lot of good things to get into. So stick around. Um, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. Reach us at We Bought a Mic on social media. We Bought a Mic at Gmail any other things to plug or add, boys? Uh, Twitter, Letterbox at Hunt Mobley. Yeah. Hulu has live sports. Cool. I'm at Calernist uh, on Twitter and Letterbox. Follow me on there. Thanks for listening. We love you. Bye bye. Oh, I love my watch. I got muscles like Superman trainer. Real, real rare like Super Sam Mega. I jump, stomp, stomp on Lucifer Satan. Now I got a few rings on Jupiter skating. I meant to say Saturn, switched up the pattern. Smoking on some shatter, got me higher than a ladder. Thanks, I'm flattered. My baby mama batter.